Well, this morning we start in Ruth chapter 2. Last week, if you're with us, you know that we started in Ruth chapter 1 in this new series that we're walking through. Ruth is in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there in the Old Testament. Joshua judges Ruth, and that's, that's just kind of the order that it is. That's how I remember it. And so Ruth chapter 2 is what we're going to look at this morning. And so just so that everybody's on the same page, we started in Ruth chapter 1, and, and Naomi was married to Imelech. And Imelech led his family, and, and they lived in Bethlehem, the land of bread. And so Imelech led his family from the land of promise to the land of compromise. And we looked at that last week where we, we found that in our life there's a land of promise and a land of compromise. In our life we have that decision every day of our life that we have to choose are we going to remain in the land of, of promise or are we going to move to the land of compromise. And Imelech was living in Judah and, and Bethlehem and the scripture says that there was a famine in the land. There's something about famines, there's something about difficulty in life that if we're not careful it will cause us to compromise. It will move us to the point where we'll wonder if it's worth it. Uh, why am I going through this? Maybe we don't understand the hurt and the pain and the loss that we're going through. And if we're not careful, it can cause you and it can cause me to compromise and move from the land of promise to the land of compromise. And that was true in Imelech's life. So Imelech leads his family, Naomi, his two sons, Milan and Chilion, and they go to the land of compromise, Moab, where, where God had told the Israelites, God had told the Jewish people, do not go to Moab. And Imelech leads his, leads his family there, and it's 10 years, 10 years of difficulty, 10 years of hurt, 10 years of pain, Imelech's sons marry Moabite women, which God had said, do not do that. Only marry, be equally yoked. Only marry God followers. And then Imelech dies. And right after that, Naomi had buried a, a husband, and now her two sons die. And she's left with two Moabite daughters-in-law. Not the way that she had planned her life. And then she's out in the fields one day. And she hears that God had visited the land of promise and gave him food. Many times in our life when we know God and we've walked with God and we wander from the land of promise to the land of compromise, many times it's, it's the goodness of God that brings us back, Right? Many times we start remembering the faithfulness of God. We remember how good God is. We remember what it was like to walk with God. And many times it is the goodness of God that brings us back. Now Ruth had no church background. She wasn't raised in a Christian family. Fact is she believed that just whatever you want to believe is fine. All good people go to heaven, that type of deal. And in Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 is where she became a God follower. And she'd looked at Naomi and say, may your God be my God, may your people be my people. It was a picture of repentance. It was a picture of more than it's just an intellectual decision that we make. That all of a sudden she, you watch that her life is changed. Nowhere in the New Testament can you find a place where someone met Christ, became a God follower, and their life did not change. And so she follows Naomi. Back to the land of compromise. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to, to Ruth chapter 2. 
And I'm going I'm to talk to you this morning through, through the book and, and just two principles that we're going to just drive home this morning is this. In the land of promise, there's two things in the land of promise and you can fill this in your blanks and then we're going to, I'll fill in the details as we go. In the land of promise, there's two things. There's protection and there's provisions. In the land of promise, in your life and my life, there's protection. I'm not talking about per- perfection. I am not talking about the absence of storms. I am not talking about the absence of hurt and difficulty and pain in life. But there is, in the land of promise, there is protection and there is provision. See, Naomi and and Ruth come back from the land of compromise. And and land of compromise will always leave you empty. It will always leave you bitter. It was true in their life as well. It was true in Naomi's life as well. Remember, Naomi's the one that said, I left full, I came back empty. I I left pleasant and lovely. Remember that? I was a pleasant person in the land of promise. And I have come back bitter, cynical. There is something about the land of compromise. The fact is, it was in the land of compromise that Naomi believed that the hand of the Lord is against me. So many times in the land of compromise, we will feel like God is against us. We will feel like everybody is against us. Naomi and Ruth come back and they need two things. They need protection. They need provisions. They need family. They have some physical needs as well, but they need family. You see, the land of promise, I mean, when we leave the land of promise, the land of compromise, all the healthy relationships that we once had are now strained, right? People that are trying to speak truth into your life, trying to help you, we can view them when we're in the land of compromise as the enemy. They don't love us, they don't care for us, they don't want us to be happy. If you've ever wandered into the land of compromise, you know that. You know it's cost you some deep relationships that were healthy, that were good. If you've ever been around someone and they've left the land of promise to the land of compromise, and it strained your relationship with them, the land of compromise will rob you, will destroy you, will leave you empty, will leave you bitter, and will leave you without healthy relationships around you that can help you and speak truth into your life and comfort you and encourage you. In the land of promise, there is protection. Verse 1, watch this. In chapter 2, now Naomi had a relative of her, of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Imelech. Now, the writer of, of Ruth introduces a new character. Now, if you're a Jewish audience, you know what's going down. You know what's happening. When you see the clan of Elimelech, you know this is huge. Stand up, take notice. And he goes, he clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Now, so we're all together in their culture, Jewish culture. You had a family. A family was part of a clan, and a clan was a part of a tribe. That's how it worked. Now, family had responsibilities of healthy relationships. Remember, Naomi walked away from all of those because that's what happens in the land of compromise. But she also had a clan. The clan was the most important support structure, if you will, of a person, a Jew. Because it was in in the clan that Leviticus and some other places in Deuteronomy talked, and it gave the clan a responsibility. See, a clan had a responsibility to provide for, for those that were in their clan, to give them protection, to give them provisions. So this is huge when all of a sudden we realize Boaz is 
in their clan because he has some obligations here. He's like their knight in shining armor. Not only is he in their clan, but Scripture says that he is a worthy man. Verse 2, and Ruth the Moabite. The, the writer wanted you to understand the tension. Remember the Moabites and, and, and what God said about them and, and how they weren't accepted by the Jews? He said, oh, don't forget, she's an outcast. She's a foreigner. So, this is, so here we go. So Ruth, and Ruth the, the, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And Naomi said to her, go my daughter you see God had set up see God's concern is for the poor whether we realize it or not the character of God God is deeply concerned about the poor he's concerned about the outcast he's concerned about the hurting and so God had set up this this system of 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 where when you were a landowner and when you harvested your fields you didn't harvest the corners of your field that was for the poor and so what what Ruth is saying is, maybe I'll go out and find a God follower who displays the character of God, who follows the commands of God, who cares deeply for the poor, where it's not all about them. It's not all about their comfort. It's not all about their wealth, their materialism, their stuff, that they still remember the commands of God. And hopefully and maybe I can find a God follower that cares for the poor and I can just glean enough on the corners of the field to make it through the day. Do you realize there's people in our community every day wondering, are there any God followers that take seriously the commands of God, that care for the poor, that aren't cynical, that don't come up with all kinds of reasons why we should not care for the poor? There are people in our community every day that wonder, is there a group of people that display the character of God in their life and understand this issue about the poor? Remember, Ruth is a Moabite. She's a foreigner. She's an outcast. They don't have to do anything for her. The Levitical law only covered the Jews. We didn't cover the Moabites. She had to find a person of grace. Remember this. The sin of your past does not dispel hope for your future. You've got to grab that. There are so many Christians that leave defeated lives because someone has told them or they have come to believe because of the sin of my past, I will never be what God has called me to be. I will never find satisfaction. I'll never find happiness. I'll never find peace. Ruth, an outcast, a foreigner. Verse 3. So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz. Remember the worthy man who was in the clan of Imelech? The writer of Ruth would say she happened to come. We might would say stuff like, as luck would have it, right? It was my lucky day. I was in the right place at the right time. It was a coincidence that I just wandered on to Boaz's field. Listen, let me tell you something. Luck has nothing to do with your life. God is sovereign. God is in control. 
God loves you. God cares for you. And listen, God is working behind the scenes even when you don't think he is. God is working behind the scenes in your job. He's working behind the scenes in your career. He's working behind the scenes in your professions and in your relationships. Luck has nothing to do with it. God is showing his love to Naomi through Ruth, and God is showing his concern and his love for the poor through Boaz. It's the picture of the character of God. Our life, individually, corporately as a church, is to be a demonstration of the character of God. That when people look into our life and when they look into our church, they can say, see the character of God. That God cares for the outcast. God cares for the hurting. God cares for the brokenhearted. And God cares for the poor. Verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. All the way through the Old Testament, you can tell a lot by a character of a man, by the words he uses. And you know what? The same is true today. You can tell a lot by the character of a man or a woman by the words they use. By the words they use when they're happy, when they're celebrating, when they're angry, when they're stressed, when they're frustrated. And you can tell a lot that Boaz was a worthy man. And when he greeted people with the words, the Lord bless you. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to this, his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose woman is this? In our language, our translation, check her out. Please friend me on Facebook. What is your phone number? But notice, so huge, but subtle. He didn't ask for a name. Whose woman is this? Whose clan is she in? Whose family is she in? If you're a Jewish audience, you feel the tension. You're going, man, oh man. When he finds out she's a Moabite, he'll unfriend her. <laughs> It'll be done. It's over. But Boaz was a demonstration of the character of God. Boaz is important to this whole story. God cares for the outcast. God cares for the person that you may judge. God cares for the hurting. God cares for the poor. God cares for the less fortunate. And Boaz is this demonstration of the character of God. Verse 6. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She's not from here. She's a foreigner. You don't have to provide food for her. You don't have to let her glean in your fields. The fact is, by our law, you can abuse her, you can mistreat her. Verse 7 so he's talking to Boaz and he says and this is what she said this is what she told me please let me glean and gather among the sheaves uh, after the reapers so she came and, and she has continued from early in the morning until now except for a short rest Boaz one thing we know about this woman she's a hard worker then Boaz turned to Ruth and who knows if Boaz uh, if Ruth overheard this conversation 
And so she turns, he turns to Ruth and Boaz says, now listen, my daughter, don't miss that. I mean, Ruth, an outcast, a foreigner, out of the family, before this chapter is over, will be in the family. It's the picture of the believer that we start out out of the family. We start out an orphan and we are adopted in a child of his. Listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. You talk about an Old Testament pickup line. This is as good as it gets in the Old Testament. <laughs> I'll move on. <laughs> but when he told her, my daughter, and don't go away from here. And I'll protect you. And even as a Moabite, you are so in the family my men will see that you're taken care of. If you're a Jewish audience, your jaw has just hit the floor. You're in shock that someone should show grace and be a demonstration of the character and the love of God to this level. Verse 10, then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground. That's an important phrase. And she said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since what? Since I am a foreigner. I am an outcast. I'm a foreigner. I'm less than human. You don't understand the life I've led. You don't understand the choices that I've made. You don't, uh, you, I'm, listen, this is just for free. <laughs> that phrase, bowing down to the ground, is one Hebrew word for worship. It's a word for worship. The reason we connect with him in worship, well, let me, let me just put it this way. If you come in here and you don't connect to him in worship to a level that he wants you to connect, you'll never connect to his word to the level that he wants you to do. Worship is one of the most critical things that we do. And I, I, I'm aware there's some that make decisions that I'm not going to worship, I'm going to show up late and all this other stuff. Can I just tell you this as your pastor? Worship is the most critical thing that we do, that you do. It's the most critical thing that I do. I could not preach without worship first. My heart would not be ready. You cannot receive his word to the level that he wants you to receive his word. And the motivation for worship is what Naomi said, or what Ruth said. I bow down, which is a posture of worship, right? It's a posture we're uncomfortable with, but it's a posture of worship. I bow down. I am in need. When we come into worship, we're telling God, God, I am in need. I am in need of you to do something in my life. I am in need to connect with you. I am in need of a relationship with you. And then who am I 
what, Na- what Ruth said, who am I that you should take notice of me? When I go through worship, man, my motivation, I'm thinking, who am I, God, that you would take notice of me? Who am I that you would forgive me of all of my sins? Who, who am I that you would tell me that the sin from my past does not dispel hope from the future? Who am I that you would give me forgiveness? Who am I that you would wipe away the guilt and the junk and the stuff of my past? Who am I that you would desire to connect with me? Worship is critical. It is critical to what we do. It is critical to what God wants to do in your life. And Naomi, or Ruth, came to the point and she says, Who am I? Man, worship is when we come in empty and we walk away full. And the scripture goes on, and Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. Never underestimate the power of a reputation. Your reputation precedes you. Whether you like it or not, your reputation, all the way through the book of Proverbs, your reputation is the most important thing that you have. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord. The God of Israel. Here we go. Here's protection. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Verse 12 is a picture that God wants to protect you. That God wants to shelter you. That God is your provider and he is your protector and he is your shield and he is your comforter. Verse 13, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me. A relationship to Christ should bring comfort in your life. Listen, this morning, if you're in a storm, there is comfort in the midst of a storm. There's protection in the midst of a storm. And spoken kindly to your servant, though, I'm not your servant. She still feels like an outcast. Can I tell you this? There are some believers, and you still feel like an outcast. You still feel like that you're really not in the family. That everybody else is accepted by God. Everybody else is forgiven by God. Yeah, it's true. Maybe their sin doesn't dispel hope for the future, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. And Ruth is in total shock. Boaz is speechless. Verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in in the wine. I don't know if he took her to Macaroni Grill, (laughs) Olive Garden, but this is their first date. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And watch this in the land of promise. And she ate till satisfied. There's no satisfaction in the land of compromise. You may have it momentarily, but you will not have it long term. The one that came back empty, the foreigner, the outcast, that needed a family, needed relationships, ate until she was satisfied. And look at this. And she had a doggy bag to take home. <laughs> she had leftovers. Listen. God, 
God gives you more than you need in the land of promise. I'll never get over the fact of what God has done for me. I've been in a land of compromise. I've gone away full and come back empty. I've come back bitter. I will never get over the fact of what God has done in my life where there's satisfaction and where there's peace and where there's comfort. In verse 15, and he said, When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and, and do not reproach her. In other words, don't make her fight for the corners of the field. Let her go in and get the good stuff. Let, let her get the easy stuff. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it, in, it for her to glean. In other words, guys, help her. And do not rebuke her. Even though she's just supposed to be at the corners of the field, let her come in and give the good stuff and, and, and spread the word around. Nobody is to, to rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, that means nothing to us. We don't know how much an ephah is, but, but just so that we're all on the same page, an average man in, in these times needed one to two pounds of grain to make it through the day. An ephah was 30 to 35 pounds of grain. She was just hoping to get enough to make it through the day. God says, I'll give you enough to make it not only through today, but for the rest of your life. You'll have more than you need. And the promise and the purpose of Boaz in the story was to be a demonstration of the character of God. That God cares for the poor. God cares for the hurting and God cares for the outcast. And God has ordained us to be a people of a demonstration of his character. Do you care for the poor? Do you care for the hurting? And this verse, this group of verses wiped me out this last week. I had to look at my life and say, Charlie, is your life a demonstration of a God who cares for the poor? Who cares for those that have none? Is your life a demonstration of the hurting? Is your life a demonstration of the outcast? Is our church a demonstration to Pueblo, Colorado that God cares for the poor, God cares for the hurting? So I, I, I asked Steve Allen, he's head of our impact ministries, I said, can you give me some numbers so I can just get my head around this? Are we a demonstration of a church that cares about the poor and the hurting to where it's just not all about us? If you participated and know anything about baby bottle boomerang that we did a few months back and, and we just gave out a bunch of baby bottles and we help a caring pregnancy center and they provide uh, 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 things to, to women uh, from counseling to parent classes to diapers to formula, um, uh, all kinds of medical services at no charge. We're not even associated with them. They, other than we support them every month out of our budget because we believe in them and we believe in what they're doing. And so we handed out some baby bottles and said, would you just take these baby bottles and would you just fill them up with chain, put them in the console of your car, put them on your dress or whatever. When it's filled up, bring it back. 
Do you realize that you guys, by filling loose change up in baby bottles, do you realize we sent $7,600 on to Caring Pregnancy Center this last week? To a group of women we may never, ever meet, and that's okay with me, that we should be willing to give to people that doesn't benefit us. A couple of years back, through Impact Ministries, we started praying about how God would, would lead us even in greater ways. Every month, we're helping people financially. Every month, we're helping the poor. Every month, almost every week. And out of our budget, we send money to uh, Pueblo Cooperative Care. That, that does counseling and helps the, those without food and everybody gets 90 pounds of food and all this other stuff. And so we decided what would happen if we took an Easter Sunday, our how, highest attended weekend, and did a food drive. Most churches, large celebrations, that's what it's about. It's about a celebration. But what would happen if we gave that service to him and we handed out food bags and just ask people to go and fill the bag up with the grocery list and just bring it back to our church and we'd call it good. And whatever we brought in, we'd just send it on like baby bottle boomerang. We'd just send it on to, caring pregnant, uh, to Pueblo Cooperative Care. Do you realize you guys filled up enough bags to weigh 8,500 pounds, filled 10 pallets, Pueblo Co Cooperative Care estimates $15,000 in value, you will provide food for 1,000 families in this community, 2,500 individuals. We are to be, we are to be individually and collectively, corporately. We are to be a demonstration that God cares for the poor. God cares for the outcasts. God cares for the hurting. And right now, this is why the church's image is being tarnished because we have communities that look into the church and say it's all about them. They, don't, they no longer care about the hurting. They no longer care about the poor. They no longer care about the outcasts. And we as people of God, if you're a God follower, you better have a concern for the poor. You better have a concern for the hurting. And when you give through this ministry, Every week, we're helping the poor. Verse 18. So Ruth took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her uh, what food uh, she had left over. Watch this. After being satisfied. In the land of promise, there's protection. There's comfort. There's peace, there's satisfaction. The last thing is this, is in the land of promise, there's provisions. Naomi doesn't even know the greatest news yet. Ruth has no clue what's going on. She doesn't even understand. Many times God is working behind the scenes when you don't even know it. That's why we're to be still and know that he is God. Verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Do you know we, every week, we get letters and emails coming into this church. Blessed be the man. 
Blessed be the woman that gave a food bag. Blessed be the man, blessed be the woman that took notice of me. Blessed be them that filled up a baby bottle or gave out of their resources or gave out of their money. Blessed be the person that took notice of me and provided for me. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi knows what this means. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the, the living and the dead. And Naomi also told her, Ruth, you may not understand this now. This man is a close relative of ours. He's in the clan. He's one of our redeemers. And we don't even have time to unpack what a redeemer is, but in the Levitical law, it was a close relative that, that had the right of redemption to purchase, to provide the needs and the protection for someone else. When a husband had died, Verse 21, and the Ruth the Moabite, Jewish writer says, in case you've forgotten, she's still a Moabite, said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women Listen, in another field, you'll be assaulted. In the land of promise, there's protection and there's provisions. So she kept close to the young woman, women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth enters chapter 2 an outcast out of the family and now she's in the family maybe this morning you can relate to Ruth and you feel like an outcast maybe you're in the family and you don't even act like it because you believe what you have done your sin is so deep, so dark that you can never really be in the family. And maybe this morning you feel like a Ruth. And maybe you feel like, I'm just not there. Maybe you're an outcast. And maybe you don't have a relationship with him this morning. And you never come to the point like Ruth did and say, May your God be my God. May your people be my people. This morning, would you accept him? Would you ask him to come into your life? And you can go from being outside of the family to inside of the family. Maybe this morning you feel like a Naomi. And you once lived in the land of promise. Storms came, hurt came, pain came, and for whatever reason, you left the land of promise to the land of compromise. And it is leaving you empty. It is leaving you bitter. Would you come back to him this morning? Would you return to him? And just as Ruth and Naomi were accepted, 
you'll be accepted.